let's stand, please. Let's find our ways to our seats. Let's begin our service this morning. Page number 52, To God Be the Glory. My name is great. 
Amen. Good morning and welcome to Victory Baptist Church this morning. We're so glad that you're here. It's wonderful uh, to see a number of you that have been gone for a few weeks and you're back and so welcome. Uh, it's always encouraging whenever we can come together uh, and, and see everyone reassembling. We do have a host of folks that are still vacationing, so let's be sure that we remember them in prayer uh, as they go through uh, just a time away. Pray the Lord will refresh and renew their spirits as they come back. And uh, if you're a guest today, we certainly are honored that you're here. We welcome you. Thank you for coming and being part of the service today. If you have any questions about our church, we'd love to have an opportunity to answer them and invite you to get a connection card and drop that by the guest services table out in the lobby uh, after the service and so thank you again for for being here this morning others thank you for returning and uh, it's great to see you back and so uh, prayer request this morning it's a little bit tragic or a lot tragic actually Miss Joanna's uh, younger sister's husband uh, was killed in a traffic accident on Friday uh, and so you pray for all the Knapp family and for Jessica in particular as the adjustments are made uh, also uh, ladies, if any of you are available to help, just to be available for meals, we're not sure exactly what they'll need or when, uh, but they've got a lot of family that's traveled in that's going to be here throughout this week. Uh, services will probably not be until next weekend. Uh, and so if you would be available for Miss Rhonda and Miss Dinah to get a hold of you and call you and just ask for help if it's needed, uh, please let us know that today on your way out. Uh, and that'll make it simple for them that they'll know who to call whenever they've got something that's needed. And so uh, we don't know at this point for how many or exactly when or what would be needed, but we want to be available if we're needed. We can be a blessing to their family, but certainly uh, be in prayer for them uh, as, as they go through this difficult week. Uh, and so I can't, I hate to bring that out, but I can't not put that out there before we go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, and so please just be mindful of that. Uh, on a better note, happy Father's Day to all the fathers here this morning. We're so glad that you're here and glad that we'll have an opportunity to honor you. Pray that, this, that the Lord will give you a good day, a good day with family, uh, and a good day together as we serve, our, serve and worship our Heavenly Father this morning. Let's open our hearts to Him and ask Him uh, to meet with us. If you're watching by live stream this morning, we welcome you as well. Uh, one more prayer request before we go, Lord, in prayer. Remember Cindy Malloy's mother, she's back in the hospital or thinking they're just doing a lot of tests, thinking of some type of blood disease at this point. Uh, and so she's been in and out for several weeks. And so pray for her. I think she made it out. She stayed out four days this time before she had to go back. And so uh, let's be in prayer for her as well. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, thank you that we can come together on a day like today, Lord, when uh, in some aspects we're rejoicing and in other aspects we're grieving. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would be with, with all of our families at whatever stage they're in. Lord, I pray that you would be with those uh, who have lost loved ones and tragically that you'd be a great and wonderful comfort to them, uh, that you would give safety for travel or be with our folks who are in hospitals or are uh, recently out recovering, undergoing treatment for serious disease. I pray that you would continue to help their bodies to respond to treatment, that you give doctors wisdom and guidance. And Lord, that you would be a comfort again to their families as well. Be with our folks who are away. Keep them safe as they're gone. Give them a time of, uh, of renewal and refreshment as, they, uh, as they're taking vacation time. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, just help them to be, have an enjoyable time together as a family. And certainly as we come together, Lord, today, we thank you for our fathers. We thank you for their impact and influence upon our lives. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you ultimately are our Heavenly Father and we uh, certainly would would be desperately in trouble without you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to not 
keep you at arm's length, but that we would draw you in close and that we would allow you uh, to have that close, personal, loving relationship with your children that you desire to have. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd be with the service this morning. We need your power and presence here throughout the day. Lord, I pray that you would be an encouragement to us and that you would stir our hearts. I pray that you would challenge us as well uh, with your word and that we would respond to you accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's remain standing. And uh, for one last song, uh, page number 801, How Great Thou Art.
trust me as your guide, though my path for you is steep, will you lean on your own way, or resolve to follow me? I am still your shepherd king, who has led you I see beyond your view, surely trust me, faltering one. Do you trust me as your rock, while the storm still rages on? Every day new mercies grow, every night I give a song. Since I reign as Prince of Peace, set your mind on things above, everlasting strength is mine, fully trust me, wearied one. for my jasper tower. I am he who once was dead, now alive my suffering done. You will live for I arose. Come be with me, favored one. Surely trust me, weary one. It's hard to imagine where I'd be without you. The truth is, I've learned so much by simply watching you. I've learned what it means to care about people and put others before myself. I've learned how to live a life of integrity and have the heart of a servant. I've learned to honor God in all I do and seek his will for my life. Thank you for the discipline I deserved and the grace I did not. Thank you for guiding me, encouraging me, and picking me up when I failed. Thank you for living out your faith and showing me how to live out mine. As I look back, I can see moment after moment where your strength, your 
your wisdom and your love made all the difference. There's so much of you I carry with me, memories I treasure, and lessons I cherish. Today, Dad, I want to say thank you and let you know just how much I love you. Happy Father's Day. So let's have our, all of our fathers stand today just for a moment. And so we want to see where our dads are at and just thank you for all the, your investment in our lives and in our church. Uh, it's so important and vital. We would certainly uh, be lost in the drift. And if you've had the privilege of being or having a godly father, uh, then, then praise be to God for your impact on our nation, on our church, and on our families as well. Let's give all of them a round of applause just to say thank you. Amen. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. You can be seated. We'll have a gift for you at the end of the service today. And uh, I'd, I'd give it to you now, but there are a couple of the guys in here I couldn't trust to not be eating the candy that's in them. And the, and the, the wrappers are a little bit noisy, and so it would be a little distracting. Uh, and so if you've got your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. We are going to back up a little bit from the verse, the starting point there in your notes to verse number 12. Uh, just to add a little more context here. In Colossians chapter number 3, and we'll begin in verse number 12 and read down through uh, verse number 21. Again, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, and if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing with the grace in your hearts unto the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. I want to speak this morning on this thought, a father is fit unto the Lord. Let's pray. Father, again, as we come this morning, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that you are our father. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to embrace that relationship and grow in it. Furthermore, I pray that you'd help us to be uh, at whatever stage of life we're in, the kind of fathers that would be fit unto you, that would be honoring and pleasing to you. And Lord, may you work and live through us to impact those in our lives. Lord, make it so we pray in Jesus' name and amen. I read something this week that was refreshing in, in, in some ways and in other ways it was sad. It was sad in the sense that uh, it stated that uh, the, 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 de the degradation of the home, it, it was pointing out how few homes today have a father in them and the impact of the fatherlessness of those homes. That is the tragic part. 
uh, I, I thought about giving a lot of the statistics that it's cited, but I think that we, especially as Christians, get it that whenever there's not good representation, that as a father is being a picture to us of our relationship with God, uh, that that's detrimental to not just the home, but to society, the church, and the nation as a whole. What was refreshing about it was that it was it was printed as an op-ed in a wide and in, in a, a national news publication, and it was actually acknowledged. I think one of the contributors to the article was a former football player. Uh, another was a a college professor. Uh, not necessarily those that you would expect would recognize the problem uh, of fatherlessness in the home. Uh, and so there's an article that was printed decades ago that I think is still relative today uh, that I like to use occasionally on Father's Day. I want to read just briefly. I think that it's really even more true now than it was when it was written. It says, the importance of the home cannot be easily overstated. It is the great world fountain of health or disease, of medicine or poison. It is God's best workshop or the devil's best forge. It is a supreme factor in the salvation or ruination of our race. It is a determining factor in the solution of many problems. As is the home, so will be the church, the state, and the nation. By weakening the pillars of the home in the interest of the state, ancient Greece sealed its own doom. Rome or because of corruption in the families, the boasted civilization of Rome could not endure. And today, the threads of destiny upon of our own nation are being silently woven within the narrow confines of our family circles. Upon the walls of every institution, which fails to include in its reckoning the home, no matter how glowing its prospects may seem, no matter how sumptuous and hilarious its feasting may be, there is traced by the secret hand the writing thou hast been weighed in the balances and found wanting. In the home where the gospel of Jesus Christ lives and reigns, there will be a consciousness of the immeasurable privilege of true parenthood. A greater and holier work can scarcely be imagined than to build a home, to correctly rear a family, and to root and ground one's own in the truth, and to send them out as living epistles to glorify their God and serve their fellow men. A neighbor once asked a mother, do you any literary work? And she said, yes, I'm writing two books. And he said, what are their titles? And she said, John and Mary, my business is to write the heart, write upon the hearts and minds of my children's the lesson that they will never forget. You know, we live in a time where increasingly so, it used to be that the attack on the family was subtle. Today, it's not subtle at all. Uh, today, school districts boldly stand up in different parts of the country and claim that parents have no right to be involved in the education of their children. Uh, they are being turned against mom and dad. But the life altering and changing uh, decisions are being, or they're being helped to make and then hiding that decision making from moms and dads. And so we have to understand today that the home is under greater attack than it's ever been. And if we are going to, as godly people, set aside and stand up to this, it's got to start within our homes. We look at the context of, 
uh, of our scripture today, it's, it's oftentimes we'll preach on the home and just jump into verse 18 and, uh, you know, wives submit and husbands this and children that. And, uh, and all of that is correct. It's all true. It's all biblical and we'll not shy away from that. But understand the context. He says here, uh, put on therefore as the elect of God, beloved bowels of mercies and kindness and humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. All of these things are prerequisite to our familial relationships. If we don't bring those things into the relationship, then we are not going to be effective as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a child, uh, being brought up in that environment. Dr. Lee Robertson uh, was well known for stating on a regular basis that everything rises and falls or rises on leadership. And so we look and understand uh, the importance of God uh, working in our hearts. In Ephesians chapter 5 uh, and verse number 22 through verse number 6, 4, chapter 6 and verse 4, basically is a parallel passage to Colossians. It says essentially the same things. It words it in a little bit different ways. Uh, and we may look at one of those verses here in just a little bit. But it's important that we understand that God has established his authority in the home. And God has established an order within the home. If we, we can have to understand that every organization has to have a head. Everything has to have a leader. It doesn't matter how small or how large. If an organization has no leader, it's going to flounder. It's ultimately not going to survive. A home is no different. It must have a leader. And if a home is going to have God's blessing and God's power and be used by God then that home must follow God's plan. God set the plan in order. It's not that, uh, that dad is to lead uh, with an iron fist and to not be loving and to not be kind and to not uh, show grace and to not all of those types of things. We absolutely should lead our homes that way. Uh, but it also does not mean that mom uh, is any less important, any less vital, or is in any way uh, unequal to dad and influence and empower within the home. Uh, we are to complement one another, and we see that in the home uh, that God designed. Uh, in Genesis chapter 2, uh, right off the bat, the first institution that God uh, brought to bear was the home. And in Genesis chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 18, we see that, And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And so we understand as God establishes here the home that we come together as a husband and wife. My wife and I have been married for 33 years. We're, we're one flesh. We're not two. We, yes, in some ways we're two unique individuals, but in many ways we are just one. 
That's the home and the plan that God set forth for us to come together uh, as one. So if I don't understand how that would work. I don't understand how that would come together. Think of a, uh, of a, of a team or a, uh, a law enforcement team or uh, a first responder team or a military unit. There are many individuals, but they come together to make one. They, they work together. They have common goals. They have common interests. They have similar training and involvement, and they, uh, they work together. That's what a husband and wife should be as a home is established that, would, that God could use and that would please God. We have to do things and understand that God set forth his plan, his order, and it's very arrogant of us as, God, as people to say we know better than God. You know, culturally, we stand up and say, uh, you know, that, that that's, that's outdated and that's not right and that's demeaning or that's this or that's that. But we don't know more than God. God knows. And God knew what he was doing then and God knows what he's doing now. Amen. And it's amazing how whenever we just stand up and obey the edicts of scripture and trust God and follow him, then God makes a huge impact and difference in our lives. By the way, that doesn't just apply to, okay, dad's the head and mom's right there and then the children and but dad's got to lead and mom has to submit and the kids have to uh, obey and follow along. It also is applicable to all of the things that led into that about loving our wives as God lo as Christ loved the church and about bringing kindness and charity and all of those other things that we read about in there. They're not, they're not separate, they're together. And so we come and we understand the kind of spirit that we should create in our home, the kind of attitude that we should foster in our home, the way and the manner, the methods in which we should lead our homes and lead our families. And, uh, and I would tell you this, uh, that God made the wife to be a compliment and a help to a godly husband. And whenever the husband loves her as Christ loved the church, then she, her natural response to that is to follow and to help. I, I think about Adam there in that section that we read in the garden. He's there. He's got to name every animal. I, that, that to me, I, I read that sometimes and I think he's got to name every plant. He's got to name every animal, every bird, every, uh, every fish, everything that he sees. He's got to give it a name. Now, what God had to give him a wife because he wasn't creative enough to think of that many names. <laughs> and so, I mean, you, you got to have some help, right? Uh, and so I'm grateful for a godly wife that's, that's been uh, faithful and that's invested in our lives and our marriage and our children and my life and ministry and uh, the lives of folks within our church that sacrificed and gone above and beyond many times and done things that, that many people will never ever see and all of our ladies do the same. But I tell you what, it's natural to you and it's a lot easier on you whenever you have a husband that leads and that is godly and that's Christ-like and that, uh, that shows the way. When we talk about leadership, leadership is really simply defined. It is to go before and to show the way. Leadership is not about sitting back and issuing commands. Leadership is about demonstration. It's about being an example. It's about going before. I'm grateful in my time in the military that our leaders never asked us to do things that they did not do than demonstrate themselves. I can never remember a time whenever we were required to do something that someone that was senior to us in rank did not demonstrate how it was to be done, did not carry on and did not have the ability to do uh, what we were asked or commanded uh, to do. By the way, husbands and fathers, uh, it, should be, it should be 
just a part of life that we realize that if we want to inspire confidence and we want to inspire love and admiration and loyalty in our wives and in our children, then what that requires is for us to go before and to show the way. You want your children to love God? Love God. You want your wife to love you? Love the Lord. And love the Lord and keep him first in all of our lives. Uh, and it's amazing how God uh, works. The man who fails to lead is no man at all. The man who fails to lead his family to the Lord is lacking in, uh, in manhood and an in, in, in inability to understand the importance of God and his relationship. And we set our families and our children up for failure if we do not keep the Lord first. A man who feel, fails to lead is unfit before God. And the point of the message this morning is to just lay out here that if I would be the husband and the father that I should be, then I must be a man of God. Not a man of God in the sense of uh, the called preacher or the called evangelist or the called missionary, but a man of God in the sense of I am a born-again Bible-believing Christian that has Christ as my Savior and God as my Father and I am God's man in the sense that I am His son, His child that He has begotten. And I look and I see that if I would be that and if I would be fit as a father and a husband unto the Lord, then there are some things that we see here that we must be. I'm going to point out just three things quickly this morning. Number one, I would say this. That God's men, a father fit to the Lord, must love. We must love. A father who do not, does not love isn't a father that's going to have the kind of impact on his children that he wants to have. Now I realize this morning that not everyone here had this type of father. I also realize this morning that not everyone here has succeeded in being this type of father. And truthfully, if I, we were all to be honest this morning... Uh, even the best of fathers in a biblical sense in the room would have to say there have been times when I have failed in all of these things. I, I have not always been uh, the, the loving father perhaps that I should have been. I've not always responded correctly. I've not always disciplined uh, in the right way or with the right motive. I've not always uh, led or guided or been the best example. There are times uh, when I lost it or whenever I uh, was distracted or while I was unattentive. There are all kinds of things. I'm not here this morning to try to dig a hole that we all feel as if, uh, as, as if we uh, could never measure up. The truth is, is that no man, no father will ever measure up to God's standard unless we humble ourselves and submit and surrender our lives to God and let the Holy Spirit of God live through us. It's just like every other aspect of the Christian life. Without the filling of the powerment of the Holy Spirit of God, we'll fail. Yeah. And if we trust upon ourselves and lean upon our own understanding, we'll fail. But let's just get a basic understanding of what it means to be a godly father who loves. And I would say this, that first of all, love is selfless. Love isn't about having my needs met. Love is about meeting the needs of my family. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 tells us, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He gave himself sacrificially for the church. He left heaven's throne. He walked among us. He endured uh, the, the 
the time among sinful men upon the earth. He endured uh, the crucifixion and the rejection of the mob. And he endured being uh, becoming our sin on Calvary's cross. He endured the grave until he rose victorious over it. Why? Because he was selfless. Jesus didn't come to meet his needs. He came to meet our needs. God does not uh, come and demand that we, uh, that we come and do all of uh, the things that, uh, that he needs and wants done. Now, certainly as an avenue of my expression of love to God, I will serve him and follow his will for my life and enact that. Then God will use my life to do those things. But my motivation is not uh, because God is some, uh, is some ogre that's, that's demanding and will judge, but it's because he, I love him and I recognize what he's done for me and that compels me to serve him. Love is selfless. And a selfless father will have, uh, will have children that, uh, that will long to serve their family. That will long to meet the needs of others. I cannot be a father that's fitting to the Lord if I'm selfish. If I only care about myself. If I only care about what my needs are. I don't want to be the kind of husband or father that goes around uh, complaining that, uh, that, my, uh, that my wife or my children are selfish or that they don't care about my needs or that they don't care about. It doesn't matter if I'm the kind of leader that Christ was. So, Pastor, you just don't know my wife and how selfish or my children and how ungrateful and you don't listen. It, it, what I'm saying this morning, you might be absolutely right, but if you're a father that's fit into the Lord, it doesn't matter you still go before and show the way. Amen. Whether they respond, whether they're grateful, whether they're obedient, whether they're loving, whether they're, you just continue to go before and show the way. You just continue to demonstrate the love of Christ. They'll never be compelled if you withdraw and reject and become angry and, uh, and, and cut them off and have nothing to do with them. Love them. So pastor, but they're cruel or they're unkind or they're this or they're disrespectful. Just love them. Teach them. If they're still at home, teach them and train them. If they're still at home, discipline them correctly, biblically, in the right manner so that your guidance in their life is drawing them to a relationship with Christ. But love them. Love. It's amazing how what the selflessness of love demonstrates a picture of what our Father in Heaven wants us to understand about Him. More than any other relationship in our human families, in our human familial relationships, is the an importance as a relationship between a father and, and his family. Because they're the only, he's the only thing that they have tangible to see God. Why is it so important that I be a godly father? Because the vision that my young children have of God is going to be how they view me. My role is to show them God, is to draw them to God, is to exemplify for them God in authority and guidance and leadership and love and sacrifice and provision. And if I'm the kind of father that my children can't trust to lead, to guide, to provide for, how will they ever come to a point where they trust God to do those things? Now, gratefully, I'm grateful that the grace of God makes up for a lot of our, our deficiency. And that God is able to do that uh, in homes and, and for families that, uh, that lack that kind of leadership at the head. But I want to be determined this morning to be the kind of father that's selfless in my love. 
The kind of grandfather that's selfless in my love. Not only is love selfless, but love is sacrificial. John chapter 3 and verse 16, there's no greater verse in all of the Bible to demonstrate that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave. Listen, biblical love, fatherly love is not just selfless, but it's sacrificial. It's willing to give whatever's necessary to meet whatever need. It's willing uh, to go the extra mile. It's willing uh, to do what everyone else would look at and say, you've lost your mind. Why would you go that extreme? I mean, you think about it. Why? I, I can just, I can just, I know it wasn't this way, but I could just kind of imagine the angels sitting on the edge of heaven looking at God the Father and saying, you're sending Jesus there for them? Really? If I was you, I wouldn't do that. Well, thankfully, God was God. Amen. And listen, I'm just saying this morning as, as, as I examine my own life and my own heart and I look at the kind of fathers that we want to develop and cultivate within our church and, uh, and amongst our city, that if, listen, if the churches don't teach and train us what God says about the home, uh, then how, what hope do we have when all the world is attacking and trying to disintegrate the nuclear family? Look and understand this morning that love is sacrificial. Fathers, can you look at your life and list the things that you've done that were selfless and sacrificial for your family? Maybe it looks like long hours worked, many overtime hours sacrificed. Things when you could have been doing things that were more relaxing or for your benefit or for your, uh, for your but, you, but you willingly gladly put in the hours and endured uh, at this time of the year the heat and other times of the year the cold so that you could provide what was necessary and what was needed for your children. Did you sacrifice your time to be at their events and things that were important to them? Are we willing uh, to make a difference? Love is sacrificial. Not only that, but love is supportive. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, he says, but I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And listen, let me, under, let me just underscore, and I've talked about this um, on, a, on a fairly regular basis recently because it's become such a cultural problem. Supportive doesn't mean just saying that everything and anything that they want to do is okay. If, if my, none of my kids are still at home, those of you that are uh, members here, that have been, you understand that. Uh, but if you're new this morning, all of our children are grown and married and, uh, and gone and have families of their own. Uh, but I'm saying this morning, when our children were small, when they were home, uh, it, it wasn't, support didn't mean that if they had the wrong group of friends that I wasn't going to intervene. It didn't mean that if they uh, started engaging in activity that was going to be detrimental to their spiritual well-being, uh, that we didn't intervene. We didn't support them in the sense of, hey, that they want to go out and hang out with people that are going to destroy their life. We didn't support that. We got in the way of that. That was our role as mom and dad. But whenever they had basketball games, we were there. When they went to school, we were there. When they needed help with tuition, we helped. When we had to sacrifice and go out of our way to help them get from point A to point B, always gladly we were willing to do those things. We were supportive. But supportive doesn't mean if my kids want to go out and become a drug addict that I'm going to empower them. Supportive doesn't mean that if they're going to go out and engage in immoral lifestyles that I'm going to just turn the other uh, cheek and say, that, oh, that's okay. God understands. What God understands is that it's sin 
and then he has to judge it. That's a great cop out of the world as well. That's just me and I've got this problem and that problem. But God understands. He understands that we're sinners that need a redeemer. And just because I can dream up some rationale or excuse doesn't mean that God's okay with it. But a father, a loving father, a father fit into the Lord will be supportive. They'll be there to help love their children, train their children, encourage their children through difficult times, soothe their hearts when they're broken, encourage them when they're discouraged, teach them whenever they're lacking wisdom and knowledge, investing in their lives, not being too busy for them, but engaging in their life. Listen, there's nothing so important as the lives of your children, especially while they're still at home. I look, I think it's one of the great tragedies of scripture that many of the prophets, very few, well, very few of the prophets have children that serve God. Don't be so busy, engaged Sunday school teacher in your class that you neglect your family. Don't be so busy pastor that you neglect your family. Don't be so busy evangelist missionary that you neglect your family. Don't, don't be so busy that uh, doing uh, things for the Lord, uh, working in the bus ministry, teaching the class, doing uh, other things that are good things that need to be done, that we're so caught up in that that we neglect our children and they fall by the wayside because we did not love them and teach them and engage them. We were not supportive. We did not, we sacrificed for the ministry, but we wouldn't sacrifice for our children. Be cautious. Love is supportive. Not only is love selfless and sacrificial and supportive, but love is supplying. In Matthew chapter number 6, and beginning in verse 30, he says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought of the saying, What shall we eat? Or withal shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Keep God first in home. Keep God first in your life. God cares for you and if God can provide for the birds of the field, then God can provide for your family. There are a lot of times, and by the way, protect your children when times are lean. There were, there were I don't think that there, I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. But if I went back and interviewed my four children and said, do, do you, is there ever a time that you remember growing up where you worried about what was going to be for supper? We can remember those days. But they don't. There's a burden that's to be borne by those that are leaders, that are in authority, that don't need to be saddled upon those that are coming up. Their children, protect them. Protect their innocence. Protect their childhood. Let them, uh, let them love. You may, you may not know whether or not you're going to be able to pay the light bill, but they don't need that burden. So, Pastor, they're going to find out real quick if the air conditioning goes off. Cross that bridge when you get there. Don't ruin things along the way. And pray. What I'm saying this morning simply is this, is that love supplies. Love makes that sacrifice. Love supplies what's necessary. If it's discipline, it supplies it. If it's a pat on the back, it supplies it. If it's an encouraging word, it supplies it. 
If it's a strong rebuke, it supplies it. If it's overtime in the heat, it supplies it. If it's giving up some leisure time to go to a ball game that you really don't care about watching, supply it. Love supplies. And a father that's fit into the Lord must love. Not only must God's men love, but God's men must lead. It's not enough for me to just love and selflessly love and sacrificially love and uh, to be supportive and to supply their needs. I must lead. A father that's fit into the Lord must lead. You must lead them spiritually. So, Pastor, well, I, I lead them and I teach them. Have you taught them the word of God? Have you taught them the principles of God's word? Lead them spiritually. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. Listen, if your children, if, if you're not dad serious about God, your children most likely won't be either. I know that that's not absolute. I know that God intervenes in our, in our, and, and makes a difference. And God raises the, to the occasion. And I'm grateful for uh, that testimony and for, uh, for that case whenever it's taken place. But it's rare. It's not the norm. It's not usual for the children of families who did not uh, and fathers particularly who did not love and serve God to love and serve God. And I'm grateful that his grace can make the difference. But as a father, I want to be determined that I'm going to lead them spiritually. By the way, if you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I wish I would have had a father like that. You can't do anything about that, but i tell you what you can do. You can determine to be that kind of a father when God gives you children. There are a lot of things in my upbringing that I'm grateful for. And then there are a lot of things that I could look at and say, my parents were never taught. They were never trained. They, were never, they never understood some of these things until much later in my uh, life or in my adolescence. And in some cases, not at all. I'm not bitter at them. I'm not upset at that. I just am grateful for the people that God put in my life to help make up the difference. But we didn't read a lot of the world's books about how to train children or how to be married. We just learned from the Bible, from preaching. I learned more about how to be a father and a husband and her a mother and a uh, and a wife from the preaching that we heard over the years from God's word. Listen, none of, no parents are perfect, but the word of God is. Amen. And if we'll listen and heed what God tells us, it's amazing how it makes up the difference where our parents failed. Yes. By the way, I'm not standing up here this morning saying that I don't have my list of, my list of failures as long and distinguished. But I do believe this, that when we love the Lord and we seek to honor the Lord, that God has a way of stepping in in his grace and making up the difference for our inability or insufficiencies. God's men lead, though. Lead your children spiritually. Somebody's going to lead them. If you don't, Dad, step up and lead, someone is going to step into your place and take it. It might be in the form of a friend. 
that's not really a friend. It might be in the form of a coach or a teacher that may be a godly influence, but they might be what destroys your child. I mean, you put your children out there, you, you, might, you might get lucky and get a Don Bodie for your, for your math teacher in high school. But you also might get someone that's going to unteach all the morality that you've tried to instill in your children for their lifetime. It's amazing how corrupt and cruel the world and Satan are. Lead your children spiritually. You're not going to do that by accident. It's not something that's just going to happen uh, because you intend it to happen. It must be intentional. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Fathers instruct. Instruct the word of God. Teach them how to mow the lawn and change the oil and uh, fix things around the house. Certainly, all of those things are skills that should be taught and taught by fathers. Teach them how to catch and clean a fish and to hunt and to do all of the other things that uh, are life skills that need to be had. But lead them spiritually. Secondly, I would say lead them systematically. They need the security of knowing who dad is and what he believes and what the structure is going to be. They need the security of knowing that we do this on this day. I, I'm grateful that when my, uh, when my mom remarried and my stepfather got saved and, uh, and we got involved in church and began to grow and that, we, that there was never a question. On, I mean, at first it was. On first it was like, you know, we didn't want to go. And, and so, you know, as a, as a young a teenage boy, uh, there were times where I was like, I want to stay home and watch a football game. I want to stay home and watch the Olympics. I want to stay home and, uh, and watch this show that came on or that show that came on. And you understand, uh, some of you that are older understand, uh, it wasn't like today where you could just, if you had some favorite thing that you wanted to see, uh, that you could just, you know, go stream it from somewhere. I mean, we're talking about back in the dark ages when there were only three channels. I mean, we're talking about a whole nother dispensation whenever the TV shut off at midnight and you just got a squiggly screen. And if the president came on, you might as well just hang it up and go outside for three days because he was never going to shut up and you weren't interested in what he had to say anyway. And that's just, it was a different world back then. And so there were a lot of times whenever we started getting involved in church, and I, I wasn't, that I'd look and I'd just say, I, I was trying to con connive and to figure out ways that I could blow this thing up so that I could stay home and do what I wanted to do. But it didn't take long to understand that this was no longer up for debate. This is no longer an option. On Sunday, at this time, we were leaving and we were going to church. On Sunday night at this time, we were leaving and going to church. On Wednesday night, we were leaving at this time and going to church. If there was an activity, we were going to be there. It didn't matter whether we wanted to be there or not. We were going to be there. Say, Pastor, but you hated it. Not for long. It's amazing what happens whenever God starts to work in a heart. Too many parents today let their kids just do what they want, let their kids call the shot, rather than putting them where they're supposed to be and giving God an opportunity. 
It's amazing how that whenever we allow the Word of God to be exposed, or our children to be exposed to the Word of God, that God begins to give faith. By the way, that's what the Bible says will happen. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. How do you expect them to have faith if they never hear the Word of God? You've got to have the source of faith to obtain faith. And it's my responsibility as a father to make sure I can't, I can't dictate what they're going to do with it in their heart. But I can dictate, especially whenever they're under my authority, uh, that I can dictate that they're going to be exposed to the truth. And I want to understand this morning that I must lead them systematically. They need the security of knowing what's expected. They need the security. I ran a boys' home for five and a half years, and one of the things that I learned really quickly with these rebellious teenage boys that were on the verge of state custody, they wanted to test the boundaries. They tested the boundaries because they wanted to know if somebody loved them enough to hold them accountable to the boundary. They wanted to know what they were. They didn't care about what they were stated to be. They wanted to test and find out where that true line was actually drawn. And do you love me enough to enforce it? Children need the security of authority and structure. Without it, they may think that they don't want it. They might rebel against it and they may at times hate it. But there'll come a time where they stand up and they'll become grateful for it. My job as a father was not to give my children what they wanted when they thought they wanted it. It was to give them when, what they needed when they needed it, whether they wanted it or not. God's men lead. Lead them systematically. Lead them spiritually. And then thirdly, along the lines of leadership, lead them by your own example. Remember, leaders go before and show the way. By the way, you're doing this, men, by default. You are leading them by your own example. You're either leading them against the Lord or you're leading them to Him. And just because you get cleaned up and come to church on Sunday doesn't automatically mean that you're leading them to Christ. Lead them. And if you choose not to, you're leading them away from God. But you're leading by your own example. Acknowledge it. Accept it. It's your God-given responsibility. God's men, fathers that are fit unto the Lord, will lead their families biblically. They will love their families biblically. And the last thing I'd say this morning is this, thirdly, that God's men will labor. A father that's fit unto the Lord will labor. Child training is not without labor. By the way, we use the term, I use it all the time myself, it's a habit that's ingrained in us culturally that we raise our children. That's really not accurate, it's not biblical, it's not true. You raise sheep, you raise cattle, you raise chickens, you, you raise livestock, we train children. And we have to understand that our biblical obligation is to not just rear them up, but to train them to have a heart to serve God, to love God. Labor to train them. Train them. Training takes labor. I mentioned earlier time in military. 
You know, every exercise that we did, every obstacle that we had to overcome, every ranged weaponry that we had to learn, there were leaders there that did everything with us. They weren't being, they, they, they were training, they weren't being trained. But to train, they had to be there. To train, they had to pay the price. To train, they had to go to the schools. To train, they had to take the risk. I remember when we were on the grenade range in basic training boot camp. Somebody threw one really short. They tried to teach you to throw it a certain way. And if you, if you listen to them too closely, then you're not going to throw it very far. Because they, they don't want you to just like throw it like a baseball. They want you to put your whole... But if you just kind of launch it like that, it's not going far. I remember a couple guys where those drone structures were knocking the guy down and getting on top of him because he didn't throw it far enough. The risk was assumed. Training required a willingness to sacrifice. And the same is true in parenthood. Labor to train your children. Your, your children will not be trained because you got up and went to work every day and left everything else to mom. Right. Train them. Invest in them. Spend time with them. Secondly, on this line, I would say labor to be true. Be real. You can do all the right things and not be real, not be genuine, and they'll see through it in a heartbeat. If you do what you do because you know what, it's, what you're supposed to do, but it hasn't become the essence of who you are, they're going to see through the hypocrisy and they're going to reject what you're trying to instill in them. A lot, of, a lot of people that have been in church a long time get to the point where they just, well, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm supposed to teach my kids. I know what I was taught or what I was supposed to have been taught. Uh, but I still want to go and do what I want to do. But I'm going to make my kids do what they're supposed to do. Because I was made to do what I was supposed to do. But it's really not what I'm going to do. Your kids won't do it for long. It's hard enough to get them to embrace it whenever you do it all right. There's too many things vying against their attention and pulling them uh, in the wrong way. I'm saying this morning that you better be real above everything else. You can make mistakes. You can fail. You can, uh, you can struggle at times. But be genuine. Be real. If you're genuine and real, that God, the grace of God is amazing how it can help overcome our failures. Labor to be true. And I would say this, labor to be together. I, I, growing up, I played a little bit of, I played a lot of basketball. I played, and I went to Christian school, so we didn't have football and some of the other things that were, uh, as far as opportunity-wise. But we were, were pretty much, if you play basketball, you were made to play soccer. And our, the structure of our league, soccer was in the fall, and then basketball started around November and ran through into the winter. And then, uh, and so if you, if you were on the basketball team, they, the coach couldn't come at the basketball coach could not technically demand that you play soccer but if you you better because he wanted you in shape whenever basketball practice started it didn't matter whether you were good it wasn't about that it was about being in shape so you were wasting practice time getting in shape we should have already been in shape and they're laboring they're investing and so we spent a lot of time a lot of hours a lot of uh, times going to games I, I really don't 
I don't remember that many games where I had family there. They were too busy working, trying to survive and put food on the table. But I was determined whenever our children were growing up that we weren't missing games. I, I really don't think that in all of my boys' lives that I missed more than one or two of their games ever. And it wasn't because I didn't have other things that I needed to do. There are a lot of times when I was dog dead tired and didn't get home until midnight or one or two o'clock in the morning after, after an away game. Still had to get up and go to work. Still had to get up and do the things that needed to be done. Listen, I'm saying labor together. Labor to be together. Involve them in what you've got going on in your life. You say, well, Pastor, uh, you know, I, if I'm going to do all that, then I really can't be a part of ministry. Really? You can't bring them to minister alongside you? We, we didn't miss our ministry responsibilities. We just brought our children and they, they labored with us. They were helpers in children's classes or they were, uh, or, or they were in the choir or they were in specials or they were out uh, knocking on doors and, uh, and canvassing neighborhoods and doing all the things that we did as an avenue of service. Labor together. Don't say you can't do anything for God until you turn 20. No, let them serve God from the, 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 young, from the youngest desire and opportunity that they have. Let them. It cult you don't crush the spirit of service in their heart. I'll tell you one of the one of the biggest mistakes that young families make. When their children I, I, I got just yesterday we I was going through a bunch of old pictures and there was a picture and I was vacuuming the living room in the trailer. And I looked at the picture a little closer. I'm vacuuming the living room and one of my daughters, her head was about to my knee. And I'm trying to vacuum, and she's got arms wrapped around both of my legs, sticking her head through my knees. I don't think that I was very efficient on that day. But I was dad that day. There are a lot of times when it would be easier to just do the dishes, or easier to just mow the lawn, or easier to just fix whatever needs to be fixed, than it would be to take the time when that young child desires to learn. Uh, that's good. And we brush them aside because it's too inconvenient. And when they get old enough to be interesting and to actually be helpful, we try to force them to do, and they don't want to do it anymore. Don't crush a desire. So often we crush the desires of our children to serve God because we say you're not old enough to do that. Find a way to let them serve. Find a way to let them do. And if it means that you've got to love them enough to sacrifice enough to do something or to spend more time or for it to be less convenient, then praise God for the opportunity. Yeah, amen. And seize your moment. And be a father that's fit to the Lord. But labor together. There's an old article, an old poem that was written called To Any Daddy. So we close this morning. And it says this, there are little eyes upon you and they're watching night and day. There are little ears that quickly take in every word you say. There are little hands all eager to do everything you do. And a little boy who's dreaming of the day he'll be just like you. You're the little fellow's idol. You're the wisest of the wise. 
in his little mind about you no suspicions ever rise. He believes in you devoutly, holds it all you say and do. He will say and do in your way when he's grown up like you. This wide-eyed little fellow who believes you're always right and his ears are always open and he watches day and night. You are setting an example every day in all you do for the little fellow who's waiting to grow up to be just like you. They're watching you. What kind of an example are you setting? What kind of an investment are you making? Is it one that's fit unto the Lord? So, Pastor, are you saying this morning, if I don't do all these things that I don't love my family? That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying if you want to be effective and you want God to empower you and you want the best opportunity for your children to find the Lord as their Savior and to have a heart and a desire to serve Him, then be a father that's fit unto the Lord and lead them to Him. Don't wait for someone else to do it. Step up, be a godly man, and do it. Show them the way. Go before. Become what you need to become so that they have the right example to follow. It's Pastor, I don't know if I can do that. God will help you. Yeah. Your church family will help you. Your pastor will help you. But determine that I'm going to give myself to the Lord and I'm going to allow and ask God to influence my life and help me to be a father that's fit unto him. Father, thank you for the time together this morning. Thank you for our fathers and their sacrifice. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be determined to be and become the kinds of fathers that you'd have us to be. May you be honored and glorified in this. Lord, may we realize this morning that it all starts with trusting Jesus as our Savior. Or if there's someone here this morning, some father here especially, but anyone at all really that would say, you know, I'm not sure that Jesus Christ is my Savior. May they get that settled today. May they step out and come to the front. Let me have someone take a Bible and show them how they can know without any doubt that Jesus Christ is their Savior, that heaven is their home, that God is their Father. And Lord, help us all to be determined to be the kind of fathers that would be honoring and pleasing and fit unto you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand together, heads are closed and heads are bowed and eyes are closed just for a moment. If God spoke into your heart this morning, would you come? Maybe God touched your heart, Dad, about some area in which you need to grow, an area in which you need to allow God to develop you, to lead you, to guide you, to become the kind of a father that you need to be for your children, the kind of a husband that you need to be for your wife.